you get a call, oh, the pipe's frozen, and, well, I'll just see if it'll thaw back out. You know, that's a that's a horrible plan because odds are it's going to just keep getting colder in there. The water's going to keep expanding, and then your pipe's going to burst, and now you're going to have water everywhere and people that want to move out and a big repair to do, whereas you could have just hopped on it, got a plumber out there with one of those electrical machines and, and fixed it your and thought it yourself. I'm Drew Brenneman, and this is the Rise and Invest podcast. I bought my first two properties as a 19-year-old with my own money that I earned from an online business I started in high school. I've now grown my portfolio from that first duplex to hundreds of millions of dollars of investment property. My goal with this show is to give you the resource I wanted when I first started out. Subscribe to our podcast where I break down real-life stories, tactics, strategies, and current market information you need to be a successful investor. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. First episode of 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. I uh, wanted to get on here and do really just like a topical solo episode uh, and talk about cold weather, what to do when you have a big snowstorm or really more about the cold weather coming. This is top of mind for all owners if you're in the Midwest or Northeast or anywhere where we just experienced uh, this really crazy cold weather. It seems like every year or two we have a like once in a hundred year kind of weather event so just almost becoming something you need to know and prepare uh, ahead of time for so i mean really this too this kind of stuff this is sort of nuts and bolts what i spend a lot of time on and a lot of other investors owners do as well um you know so i think if if you don't want to spend time doing this sort of stuff and you just want to make money in real estate i mean this is this is why we started our company really so you can go to brenneman.com and invest with us as a passive investor in our deals and then you don't have to really worry about any of this stuff but for everybody else who's got their own deals or uh, would like to someday or is in property management i mean this episode's for you so i think firstly like what i like to think about is sort of what um you know what can you do to prepare ahead of time so really i guess the main thing to talk about with cold weather is uh, the heat going out and, and pipes freezing and pipes can freeze without the heat going out um, i've had this l i've had pipes freeze you know this is a dozen plus times now you know i have about 30 assets so this things will go wrong um, and what i like to do though when i do uh, have a pipe freeze uh, or an, a heat issue i go back and actually fix it because I, I don't want to be going around you know for the rest of my life where when the weather turns cold that i'm going to be dealing with uh, it is a constant recurring issue, uh, but there, um, you know, we still have some uh, that pop up, new issues uh, in new buildings we buy, and then we see this happen. So here's here's sort of our playbook, if you will, on what, what we do when cold weather comes. So really the first thing that you want to do is you want to be ahead of the game. So what I like to do is once or twice, uh, or really every other year or once a year, um, you want to get your furnace tuned up and that that could mean a couple different things depending on um how old your furnace is you know for most of the the furnaces that i have um i don't have a do a full tune up with a, a hvac company uh it's i've just sort of personally it seems like they charge you know let's call it if you're doing them in bulk about 70 dollars each but they don't really they're not they're not doing much when they go there they start you know you send them to a building with 30 units they start out you know doing the first couple really hard and that and doing really well and then they sort of um they're just like changing filters and making sure that they they work by the end 
So what we typically do is we'll send our maintenance guy through uh, every year before winter, and we'll have him replace the thermostat batteries and then also change the furnace filters. So the I don't know why, but there's it's unfortunately some of these thermostats where they're just they're just battery powered where they uh, like nicer ones like the Nest those are hardwired uh, for power so that there's no battery or if it is a there a battery in there it's just purely for backup purposes but a lot of these thermostats are just fully controlled by batteries so you're relying on two AA batteries essentially or whatever it's going to be uh, to have your heat work or not. So that's something you want to stay on top of. And then also the furnace filters. So I know everybody, um, I think if you've, you're a homeowner or even just rented before, you should know what a furnace filter is. But there's a filter uh, in, uh, that's in your furnace. And then those are usually on a tray that slide out. Or there's a slot between the, the air return and the, the furnace where you, where you can put a filter in. Uh, and also too, if there is both of those, you don't want to put two in. So I did that when I first started out a couple of times where I saw, Hey, I can put one here in the furnace where they have this little tray thing. And then there's also a slot on by the, um, uh, by where the air gets pulled in. So you don't want to do that. You just want to do either or you don't, if you run it through two filters, or if you buy those filters that are, uh, those ones for pollen removal or the really, really nice filters, those, um, those work your furnace or air conditioner too hard. And so there it's has to exert too much, let's call it effort to pull the air through the furnace. So then, um, you're, you're more likely to have issues with your furnace or also with the air conditioner in the summer because they're working harder than they need to. So the, the filters that we buy, I, I buy are just the cheapest possible ones you can get. Um, where all you need is those, usually they're like those blue or green uh, fiberglass uh, ones that are a dollar or two uh, at Home Depot, Menards, Lowe's, wherever, just whatever big box or hardware store you got. They're actually hard to find online because they're so cheap. There's not any real money to be made probably in reselling those since they're just like a dollar and then you got to be shipping a large box around. Um, but so those are the ones that we use because we don't... Um, you know, the idea is to get the large particles or particles out to protect the the furnace, the air condition, the furnace, if you're, um, or the, the air conditioning coil um, as the as the property owner. But I'm not, uh, you know, I don't, I'd rather have my equipment working less hard than, than worry about if, what the pollen count is in the unit or, or um, dust or whatever those other nicer filters are for. Um so that, you know, sort of step one is is sort of before any of this happens, you want to be doing that every winter. And then obviously if there's an issue, um, you, know, you want to run the, you know, so you can have your maintenance person go through batteries, filter, run the heat, make sure it's working. There's not any obvious issue. And then, you know, you're, you're good for the winter. So I live in Chicago. We just had uh, minus 41 as the lowest uh, temperature that we hit with the wind chill. So we heard that was coming, you know, on uh, December 23rd or 24th, whatever day that was um, when it hit. So then ahead of that, what you want to do is you want to start communicating with your residents. So what we did is we emailed the building uh, and really in, in when you email your tenants, what you want to do is uh, cover uh, some things that seem like they would be obvious. So they're just not. I, I had uh, my first deal to start out with student rentals and I would be... Um, uh, the stuff you would explain, you would just, you'd be surprised how simple it is, but I still just kind of carry that through. So the email that I like to get sent out is 
Firstly, you just want to ask if anyone's having any heat issues. So it's like saying, you know, uh, we have cold weather coming and you got to keep this brief. People aren't going to read that hard. And then also bullet points, a lot easier to read. So are there any heat issues? You know, ask that, you know, people, they'll, you'll be surprised. We get e emails back and it'll be like, yeah, this hasn't worked. And I was just kind of wondering if it would turn back on eventually. And if it's going to be minus 40, it's not really time to uh, just kind of hope your furnace will start working again. So email, you know, bullet point number one, are there any issues with your heat or water currently? Then for like what we need everybody to do is set your heat to 68 or 70 degrees, pick a temperature that's uh, kind of on the high side because that's going to be the temperature that's just at the thermostat. That's not the whole unit. So, um, um, you know, it's pretty common where there could be a five plus temp uh, degree differential from a thermostat to some uh, bedroom or somewhere else that you keep a you know a door closed or uh, for whatever reason isn't isn't being uh, heated or cooled as much as the where the thermostat is. So I think ours said seventy degrees. So you know bullet point number two: keep your heat set at seventy two degrees. And then if you're going out of town, we want you to leave the water dripping from your 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 faucets. Uh, and anything that really, this didn't have this in the email, but really what you want to be worried about is anything where it's on an outside wall, that's where it's going to get the coldest. So if you have, you know, like a, a bathroom that's in the middle of the building, like you're not going to have any issues there. It's, it's heated all around it where you have the issues is what's on the outside wall. So even for me, I think about what buildings do I have, you know, kitchens or bathrooms that are there. And I kind of, I want to pay more attention to those, but just to, I guess, back up on what's in the email, any heat issues, Set your heat to 70 degrees. If you're going out of town, leave your water on uh, like a slow trickle. Um, I know everyone says a drip, but I feel like a drip's almost not enough. Like it, uh, I go slow trickle, and then you want to set the temperature to uh, something where it's not hot and it's not all the way cold. It needs to be in the middle because there's going to be two pipes, one for hot, one for cold. And so you want to get it where the temperature will draw water from both those pipes because either one could freeze or or both. So if you leave your water on all the way hot, trickling, your cold pipe could freeze and vice versa. If you have your just your cold water on, your hot water pipe will just be sitting there, could freeze. So and then also fourth bullet point, if you're going out of town, let us know. So then as the owner, you want to you just kind of have tabs on like, OK, I know if I go to this building, these units are already empty. I should go check them out. Um, or if something, you know, there's an, an issue in a nearby unit, let's say in the building and you know, the people that live upstairs or below are, they're not home, then, then you're going to want to go over there, uh, potentially. And when you're dealing with that issue, look at the other unit and see if they also have it. So those are what I like to keep in the email. And then if too, the next thing to think about is if you're, uh, changing your communication method at all let's say so this was christmas coming up and normally you know it's pretty common for people these days to just text with their property manager or text with their owner um nobody really wants to make phone calls anymore you know it just wants to text or email but if let's say the person that you're texting is going to be out of town they're on vacation they're um, going to be somewhere for the holidays you need to make it clear that like that's not how we're going to take the emergency call emergency requests right now like what we um you normally text your property manager they're not available so we need you to only call this hotline we have or whatever um your method is so you need to make that clear because otherwise you might have an issue but they're so used to just emailing your support email or 
texting with their property manager, if someone's not looking at that, you know, they're, we're not going to, you're not going to see the request. So we have for our Chicago buildings, it's a, uh, like a hotline call center kind of uh, thing set up with a company. So then we want to make sure the calls are going there where we don't want to have, uh, you know, emails, texts, uh, work orders being put in that say like, I have a flood, like we need you to call. So then the call center can handle it or we can, we can get it. So, um, too. And then, I mean, I've had so many of my, uh, just plans over the years wrecked, um, just all sorts of stuff happened. I remember one time I, uh, was going to Asia and I landed, turned my phone on and it's the fire chief from the city of Madison in Wisconsin calling me, wants to uh, talk to me about my building. So I, you know, it's always, um, because I have a lot of memorable things like that. One day I was also, I thought I, for once on a Friday was, you know, I'm like, I've all my work's done. It's, you know, two o'clock. I think I'm good for the the week here. And that rarely, rarely happens for me. So it was memorable. And I literally get a phone call, the building's on fire. So that, um, there's just always emergencies that come up. Uh, luckily that building had sprinklers, so that put it out, but then we, had a flood and uh, essentially a rebuild to deal with. So, um, but yeah, so that sort of, you know, the email, I stood, that's sort of the prep work I put in with preparing the heating, the email we like to send out, and then just sort of personally, I just try to not uh, plan too much. Or if I know there's already going to be bad weather, I'm banking on something happening and needing to be available. So, and then really too, what I like to do, the last last couple things, this isn't an email, but just to prepare this is sort of my biggest and best tip, I would say, uh, besides the email, is I like to buy space heaters for every building. It's just kind of these small ones. Uh, I got We have one in the office here, so if you're watching, just, you know, nothing too crazy, just one of these residential ones you can get at, you know, any hardware store, big box store. Uh, you need to buy them ahead of time. Obviously, they're going to sell out. So I like to do this just in the fall or summer even. Um, and I, I like to have four of them. Uh, the number I don't think is that important, but uh, that's just what I landed on. Have four of them in the uh, basement or attic or closet in the hallway at every building. And the reason for this, and so I said it's my sort of best tip, what's really common is you're going to um, – there's so many emergencies. It's hard to get people to go to the property quickly. You know, if you're work, if you're an HVAC person and it's minus 40, like you're, you're getting so many calls, you're prioritizing units where they have zero heat potentially not one where it's just not putting out enough. So the reason you want to get these heaters in the building is let's say you get a call and you know, okay, it's my furnace isn't working properly. The temperature it's dropped to 62. I have it set on 75. It's not getting up to where I need it. Uh, so you go, okay, perfect. So when they call you, I'll call the HVAC company, but in the meantime, go down to the basement. This would be on the phone here, you know, go down to the basement. Um, there's four heaters in a box, go get those, bring them up to your unit. And then what just spread them out, uh, within your unit. Don't put them all in one room. You're going to pop your, uh, electrical breakers and then, um, you know, so they're not going to give you the heat. You'll be back and forth between your breakers. So just spread them out in your unit and then that, um, you know, set them on high. That'll help get the, get the temperature up. And then while, while we're waiting to get the company out there, it's not a permanent solution, but it would just be like a really good bandaid that sort of saved us quite a few times. Cause sometimes when things get really busy for them, I mean, it's like a, 
could be a two-day wait for them to get to it because uh, you'll talk uh, depend and depends on the size of the company and your relationship. But there's been times where it's been a bit of a wait or just like this where we're getting people calling us on Christmas, Christmas Eve with issues. And then, you know, the 26th was a holiday. So they don't, you know, the real work day is until the 27th for, for most people till they'll be fully working. So, um, you know, that's a really good band-aid sort of solution that I heard. And, um, I've implemented that myself. Uh, it's been, uh, a real, uh, real good, um, solution. So, for the and then the last thing that I like to do during um, during this time is ahead of time I'll call all my HVAC vendors, plumbers, people. This is a, this really goes for places that are one to like small one person shops or small companies. If you're using a giant company, there's no point in calling the twenty four seven HVAC company. Like they're available at all times but more you know like one plumber we use who's really great and it, but it's just a guy um he you know you want to see if he's available so that i know like that'll be my first call um and sure enough we we had uh, a pipe freeze this was on christmas eve at one of our buildings uh is the same sort of scenario i'm saying we want you want to get that email out to prevent where christmas eve was like seven o'clock I see the work order come in via email. So again, it would not using the call center and then through uh, an email um, or we, we use Appfolio. So then it's a uh, maintenance request, not an email. Um, and then, you know, I call her and she, and it had been like this all day. So like we could have handled this in the morning when it was still like it was um, still a work day. I think the 24th was a, was um I guess that was a Saturday, but it was um, would have been during normal, let's call it normal working hours. You know, if it wasn't working at nine in the morning, it would have been better to call then. But we didn't get it till seven. Um, but I called this plumber that I know and he was available. He was eating dinner, wasn't at another job and said, after the, I'm done eating, I'll head over. Uh, and then um, the, this is kind of to talk about what... Um, uh, what they actually do when they get to the property to thaw out a pipe. I guess it's important to note, like if you have a frozen pipe, uh, you don't want to just wait. You know, I think um, uh, obviously when water freezes, turns into ice and it's it, it expands. So uh, here pipes are copper. And then uh, when they, if they expand enough, it's going to break the pipe. And then when that thaws out, uh, is you're going to have water everywhere. So you want to get to the frozen pipes as fast as possible uh, in order to avoid having uh, the pipe burst. So call the plumber. He's out there within two hours. And what a uh, like a real plumber would have, um, you know, a lot of people, they will thaw out a pipe with a torch, uh, like a blowtorch and or a heat gun potentially. But the issue with those is you need to get to the spot, the exact spot that has the freeze. So if let's say it's in the middle of the wall somewhere, you need to cut the wall open, get to the pipe. But what any good plumber should have is it's essentially like it's a device where it almost looks like a car battery. Uh, it looks like a battery that you would jump a car with almost uh, where it has two uh, wires coming in and clamps. And so what, what you do is you put, um, you hook up this thing, you clamp it to the pipe that's frozen and you put one clamp on each side. So the freeze would be in the middle and then you run the battery and it sends electrical current through it and then it unthaws the pipe. So 
Uh, I didn't know that existed for quite a while till doing this. I mean, I was probably 10 years in until I saw somebody do that. Um, you know, I would, I, I would, I didn't have that many frozen pipes, I'd say, and early on, just as I acquired more assets, uh, more properties, I did. Um, and uh, I was also using handymen more, I'd say, early on. But another thing that I've just sort of learned, especially for plumbing or electric, it's just, it's better just to go straight to the plumber or electrician. Um, and so that's something that I wasn't doing early on either. I was using handymen for everything, I'd say. Um, just they're cheaper per hour. But, you know, like this plumber, he charged 300 an hour, but he was only there for an hour. So a fee to get there and then 300 for the hour. And he, because he has all the right equipment and there's no damage, no nothing, you send a handyman, maybe he's cutting open your wall and sure he might be 30 bucks an hour, but he'll be working in there for days on this, on the rebuild. So you're not really saving anything, sometimes not sending the best person. So anyways, he, he's at the building, uses his device and he thaws out the pipe with no issue. Um, so then we, you know, go and I, we figure out, um, okay, who in this building isn't, uh, we text everyone, have the mass text to the building, who's not home, um, you know, for the for the holiday now in your apartment, we should go through and make sure no other units have issues. So we did that. Um, I didn't think to send that text till after the plumber was done. So then at Christmas morning, I ran through uh, four of these units where nobody was home. Um, and sure enough, like it never fails, there were issues in um really uh in in all of the units something but one but two of them had kind of bigger issues like one of them in the kitchen the cold water was shut off so you know it's more than just if you go to check a unit too it's more than just going and i ran the water i looked around like i'm running the water in the sink and i'm not getting cold water actually i'm in the kitchen and i'm only getting hot which you know obviously like i said there's a hot and a cold water pipe so i know something's up so I go out under the sink and I turn play with the shutoff and I go, oh, JK, actually this cold is all the way, all the way off. So then this pipe, no water's been running through it. Like I'm, when I realized that, I'm like, geez, this is probably definitely frozen. If the unit below it had a frozen pipe and they haven't ran any water ever through this cold pipe, essentially, since it's been frozen, uh, or sorry, not frozen, since it's been turned off. So I turned it back. I, I turn the shutoff to the on position and I run the water, run the cold water and it's actually, it's fine. So, um, some sort of fluke thing in the unit below that we're going to look into when the weather's better, uh, on why that pipe would have froze. Um, so that's, so, you know, you, you want to go through and check things carefully. Like I ran the sink, but then I would, if I would have just gone quickly and gone, oh, okay, this, this has water, I'm done. Like I'm, running it intentionally going, I want to get cold, I want to get hot water, and then I want to leave it in that middle position I was talking about on a, on a, on a trickle. Also, if it's on an outside wall, the line to the dishwasher can freeze. That's happened where sometimes they run like a plastic type line, uh, rubber hose kind of water line within the unit, like under the sink, like that would be, um, that's not going to freeze. That's in the cabinet but some places they're going to have a like a dedicated water line to your refrigerator or to your dishwasher and though if those can definitely freeze if that wall's cold so uh i noticed that was a situation in these units so then i also ran the dishwasher get some water moving through that pipe uh, as well before i left and went on to the next unit and then sure enough one of the um uh next units i went to um it, it the 
walk in there and it's 50 degrees. And so you look at the thermostat, just says uh, battery low and you can't touch any, and it doesn't, it's not, nothing's working. So when found two double A batteries and then popped them in and got, you know, got the heat back on, but it was, it was 50 degrees in there. So it would have been, um, who knows, that would have been our next issue. So that's why communicating with the tenants is important and being proactive where we asked who's not home. Then we went in to check because the weather got a lot worse than I think anyone was probably banking on prepared for. So, um, really those are sort of my, my hot, hot tips, I guess, uh, cold tips. Um, but yeah, so this kind of, you know, you want to be proactive ahead of time, get your heaters in your basement, talk to your vendors, you know, check your filters and your batteries and your, your furnaces in the, um, in the fall ahead of time. And then you want to be proactive with the communication. So you, you'd be surprised what, uh, people think with how, um, you know, like I've had it happen where people go out of town and they just, I'm just turning my heat off. I'm gone. I don't need it. And so you need to be sending out that email saying, well, even if you're gone, you need to leave your heat on. Uh, it needs to be set to this temperature. It needs to be a high, this, this higher number, you know, like 70 degrees, because that's temperature to set that thermostat. It's not across your whole unit 70. So on that wall in the kitchen at that one building I'm talking about, it wasn't 70 degrees in the kitchen inside that wall. Obviously it was way, way colder if, uh, if your pipes reason. So, um, you want to do all that and then be proactive and not be afraid to actually go to your buildings and check things out. Uh, it's a lot easier in my opinion to do that than be worrying about things or sitting back being not proactive at all and just sort of waiting till something, uh, I'll, uh, you get a call, all the pipes frozen and well, I'll just see if it'll thaw back out. You know, that's a, that's a horrible plan because odds are it's going to just keep getting colder in there. The water's going to keep expanding and then your pipe's going to burst and now you're going to have water everywhere and people that want to move out and a big repair to do, whereas you could have just hopped on it, got a plumber out there with one of those electrical machines and, and fixed it your, and thought it yourself. So over the years, I bought like quite a bit of just sort of little equipment just with issues. those like blower fans to dry things out and uh shop fact to get water pulled up um no it's just inevitable part of the business and i think maybe the next thing i'll need to add to my collection is one of those machines myself where either i can do it or we'd have it available for a maintenance person um where if there's no plumbers that can get there where this um didn't seem too hard to use almost like jumping a car you just get it on each end of the pipe and uh and turn it on so uh, anyways, hope everyone had a, a, a happy new year. And then that's that's what we got for, for tips on how to prepare for cold weather and deal with um, frozen pipes. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode. If you learned something from today's show, please leave a review and hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Dive deeper into real estate investing on Brenneman Capital's website, brenneman.com where we have numerous free resources and information that can help both active and passive real estate investors. Accredited investors can also get started today as a passive investor in our multifamily investment opportunities by hitting the invest now button on our website. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Drew Brenneman and guests as of the date of recording and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of Rise Invest Holdings LLC and its subsidiaries. 
The views and opinions are provided for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon or deemed as investment or tax advice or an offer to buy or sell securities. And the speaker cannot be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered.